Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is TV Take, Variety's television podcast. I'm Daniel Holloway. This week, Variety's Caroline Framke talks with Janine Mason, star of the CW's Roswell, New Mexico. Later, Caroline and chief TV critic Daniel D'Addario discuss Hulu's The Act and Netflix's Turn Up Charlie. Then we'll talk with reporter Will Thorne about the college bribery scandal that has ensnared actors Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin. Stay tuned. Hi, I am Caroline Framke. I'm a TV critic with Variety, and I'm here with Ginny Mason from the new Roswell reboot on The CW. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. On this uh, weirdly rainy day. Yes, weirdly (laughs) LA rain. Yeah, so you're here for the new Roswell, but some people might know you from being on for winning so you think you can dance mm-hmm. um 10 years ago now 10 years ago i was 18 four days out of high school wow that's crazy <laughs> yeah yeah it's been a journey since yeah cool. a whole decade since but what yeah. did um being on that show and coming out of it the winner what did that teach you about mm-hmm. going forward in the industry whether dance entertainment in mm-hmm. general what did that bring for you? Ooh, that's a really interesting question i guess the main thing was it really just made me realize that i'm a contender and mm. that um i there is there's space for me in this arena and I am a rightful participant in this industry and it really just inspired me to um, um, see what I could accomplish next because I really did not think winning the thing was was in the realm of possibilities <laughs> for me and then I went oh well okay let's see what if I said yes 100% to um, what I've always wanted to do which is just being an actor really? and, I mean grew up really being a performer and thinking that was what I wanted to do, you know? Um, and it is, it is what I do. I'm a performer. It's, I, I love showman. I love true showman. And that's a little bit of everything. That's the dancing. That's the singing. That's the acting. That's the using your vessel from head to toe to mm. be involved in every moment of your artistry. And I think, I think you see a lot of my dance training in Liz Arteco on our show. And, um, she's a very physical woman, which I love. She is rooted firmly into the ground and her feet are planted and she speaks from her lower register and mm. she carries all of her intelligence and that requires a spine that requires you know what I mean yeah. um, so I think it I think it's all it's all connected yeah I was gonna ask what makes I feel like there are a few dancers who transition to acting mm-hmm. or use part of their training in that so what have you learned to bring into your characters whether on bunheads where you're actually playing a dancer mm-hmm. or in grays where you're an intern like what how do you bring that into it Totally. With Grace, what was fun about it was the the relationship to space in <laughs> in hospitals. These, right. you know, residents and um, you know nurses. Everyone, the the choreography of how they move through the space is is it's amazing. Where you feel that comfortable, and um, so that was so fun to me to try to feel uh, expert in that field. <laughs> and I often pull upon my physical background to make that. To, to suspend that, make that suspension of disbelief for myself. Um, uh, so that was a big part of it. And 
Yeah, Bunhead's the um, Sutton Foster's the lead of that show, and she's right. another great example of a true showman, someone that I grew up idolizing. So, um, the ways that her voice just carries, like you know, that woman's got a set of lungs, and like you know, in, in every moment of watching Younger, and um, I love it. Those are my favorite actors to to watch work because I feel like they have secret superpowers that are aiding them <laughs> in tiny moments. You know, right? Like yeah. even if they're not actually dancing or singing on the show. You yeah. can see where that skill set mm-hmm. brings them. I love it. Yeah, I, love I think it. something you just said was really interesting. I feel like a lot of people don't realize how much choreography there is in just uh-huh. blocking. Yep. Oh, and, absolutely. Right. And people like Amy Sherman Palladino are so mm-hmm. specific about it. Mm-hmm. I just watched a little video on the opening scene of season two of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. And um, Midge is uh, at the the control center for yeah. the communication. She's like a telephone operator. operator. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and it is absolutely amazing what the DP did and, you know, weaving the camera through these actresses and they were so damn good where they're, they're having to duck out of obviously the frame and, and out of the way of the camera, but like minutely. So it doesn't look as if they're doing it. And it's a really cool behind the scenes video I watched online. And so, yeah, absolutely. Amy, for sure. Every moment of Maisel is, and of Bunheads, of course, was, Choreograph. Marguerite Derricks is the choreographer that she works with on both shows. And um big fan of, of Marguerite. She's amazing. She's a legend in our industry. I mean, she's been around forever. She was a part of Austin Power movies. You know what wow. I mean? Like and those are the people I, I really love collaborating with and, and I get excited to see what they're doing next. Like I can't wait for season three of Maisel <laughs> to see what those two women pull off, you know? Right. Sometimes I feel like there are shots of that show where it's just it's a still camera mm-hmm. and everyone is moving and it mm-hmm. seems very frantic, but you can tell that it is really specific. Yes, yes. And she and Midge moves through the space with such like certainty. I love how like mm-hmm. forward momentum she is. And because it's so choreographed, like that there's so much space for her to really make us think like, Oh my god, how did she just make it through that door? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or whatever it is. I love it. Yeah. So actually speaking of Bunheads and Greys and mm-hmm. Roswell, all three of them female showrunners yeah. and are run by women. And mm-hmm. that's a pretty unusual situation that you found yourself in to be like in the triple run like that. So what was that like? How mm-hmm. did that play into your experience on set? Absolutely. Um, just such a big fan of all the women I've gotten to work with. Amy and Margaret on Bunheads, Krista Vernoff and Shonda and Debbie Allen and Betsy Beers on Greys and now Julie Plack and Karina Adley McKenzie. They're just all so talented and such boss and such supporters of each other um and i think the biggest thing that it gave me the like continuation of it all was that when i think about this in retrospect i'm like this is an incredibly daunting task being you know particularly a latina lead of a network television for a first time Mm -hmm. number one you know which is what i am and it just seemed like it was a not that far of a reach And I think that's because I came from all of these women encouraging me and telling me I was capable and telling me I was great and them doing that to like a a hundredth degree themselves. I just went like, yeah, I can do this and I, and and I will, and it'll be damn good. And you know, and then you go, you finish the thing and then you're like retroactively terrified. You're like, Oh my God, you know, (laughs) but I think that like that, confidence is something you have to conjure for yourself and sometimes you have to fake a bit and then Mm -hmm. it comes and that helped me fake it a bit that helped me like bridge that gap between what i had accomplished and what i was prepared to accomplish or what i could then now right to start from a place of encouragement Mm -hmm. rather than having to 
really prove yourself because you already have right. to them. Obviously, they mm-hmm. hired you. So obviously, they saw something they liked. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about Roswell. Yeah. Um, so did you have much familiar- mm-hmm. familiarity with the original series going into this one? And what mm-hmm. made you want to be a part of this so badly? I read the sides first, and I just fell in love with Liz. And I was origin—I was—I was familiar with the original, but I didn't even have time to really process that it was a reboot mm-hmm. um, before I fell in love with the character. It, that was really what happened first, and then um, when we started going, you know, taking steps backwards and going, okay, now who, now let's think about what the particulars are. And Julie Pleck was involved, and that was a showrunner that was on my list who I wanted to work with. And um, I was excited to meet Karina and, and excited by her writing, clearly. Like, that's what hooked me right away. Um, and then and then it, it, the, it never struck me as a anything other than a great idea to reboot this property, primarily because she's Liz Orteco, and that is honoring the book series. Mm-hmm. And there was so much of the story still to explore, and I, I knew people would be excited by that. Wouldn't go like, oh, God, they're trying to do this again, and they're trying to recreate the like beautiful, innocent, intense love that Sherry Appleby and Jason Bear were able to capture in the first se- series. And um, we're not trying to do that young love thing, you right. know? Um, so that was another element where it was like, oh, there's more to the story. A lot of it lies in the fact that the protagonist is a Latin woman and she's ignited. She <laughs> is a woman on fire. She's a scientist. She's an insatiably curious, you know, protagonist who's jaded and then has her world. Then we see can see that person have their world just like turned upside down by this big secret being revealed. So all of that made made sense to me. It was like, wait, we have a great element here, or a great story here that has a lot of elements we haven't touched yet. So, right. yeah. yeah, like you said, honoring the book series, mm-hmm. the character is now Latina, like she was supposed to be in the first place. So, mm-hmm. what was exciting to you about that in particular? What mm-hmm. did you, obviously, Latina women have been treated generally poorly by entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. What about this? Did you think got it right? What did you mm-hmm. want it to get right? that maybe others haven't. Yeah, I had last night someone, um, our third episode just aired, so people were, were tweeting with us and sending us like really just lovely stuff. It's been overwhelmingly lovely, which is wonderful. But someone said, um, uh, things don't happen to Liz Orteco. Liz Orteco makes things mm. happen. And I just was like, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what we were after. And that's exactly what we were capturing. And I, I tweeted this person back. I'm like, for hopeful, Fingers crossed season two, I will write that on the cover of every one of my scripts. I promise you, I cannot wait to tweet that to this person <laughs> when we arrive there. But it that was what it was, agency. And mm. also um, but just intelligence and um, not apologizing for an ounce of her existence. Um, she is such a capable woman, and there is no denying that she is the best at what she does, that she is most often the most intelligent in the room. But she is... There are so many contradictions and her loyalty to her family, but also that that's from a big heart. But that also means that her hesitation with Max is so hard because she mm. wants to she wants to like thoroughly investigate. She doesn't want to she doesn't want to be the like, I'm going to just give you the benefit of the doubt kind of woman because I love you so much. She wants to be objective here and. And to see her navigate that stuff, like that is that those are the complications I navigate in my own life, and that the women, the women I have in my life, I get to witness and admire. That those are the things they're navigating. So, um, 
oh god i could go on all day but <laughs> a lot of it was so right for me and um i mean honestly all of it and and it was the right group in which to go i knew we could course correct if we ever felt like there was a moment where um we weren't making her the protagonist mm. you know in what way? In 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 the scripts coming. I knew I felt confident saying yes to the job because I mean you sign away and then right. you're like okay now I have one script but I'm many signing years. away <laughs> potentially six years and I just knew Julie and Karina were the right people to create this character with um, and they absolutely have been. Yeah, how did they pitch her to you in the first place? Um, you know it was really on the page and it, it happened pretty quickly when I got the job and then it was like frantic search for Max Evans. <laughs> and then by the time we got to pilot time, that was really when we we started having our own conversation. So I kind of had my own ideas already mm-hmm. that I had worked with my acting coach and my, you know, um, people that I use as advisors, a, a friend of mine who's an actor, an activist, um, Melina Bobadilla, who's Mexican and uh, Mexican-American. And so she was someone else who I worked closely with. And then it was like approaching Karina and Julie and, and hearing what they wanted. But honestly, they gave me a lot of autonomy with her. And mm-hmm. I appreciated that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of what you were saying that you like about Liz mm-hmm. is maturity and mm-hmm. that I feel like that has to come a little bit from the fact that this story takes place 10 years after high school versus the original, which is in high school, mm-hmm. which I really like. Is Was that part of what appealed to you, that she is a yeah. fully formed adult person? <laughs> yeah. And then, then her her strong set opinions and her jadedness, because she's damaged and she's been wronged and she's got her walls. And with all of that, then it's this huge revelation. Like, right. That was an exciting dynamic to me. I was like, I want to meet that chick have that moment of what the fuck you know um, um yeah I, lo- I just loved it. it grabbed me yeah i feel like that's especially unusual for you know a really big sweeping romance to have right. this woman be like i know who i am i know what i want mm-hmm. i'm obviously extremely into you but i want yeah. to make sure i'm not just throwing away my time <laughs> yes yes which is so funny because i i'm so glad we're doing this right now because i see that in the reaction with the fans where mm-hmm. they're going like okay i'm in that middle ground too where i just want them to kiss but i'm with her and i know she has to do the investigating and i support it <laughs> you know so i love it i love that people are with us you know? right so it doesn't feel like a tease exactly i'm like just you know let me do my work yeah like, <laughs> doing her due diligence. it's been 10 years <laughs> it's been 10 years yeah and there's a lot of complications i mean you know we we find out in the pilot that she's been given a directive to leave by isabel right um, and and michael so there's very much this like you know there's sorting to do in her own mind and the fact that her mind has been meddled with i mean liz is someone who like her brain is her superpower that's a line we use several times in the series as she says she's like my brain is my superpower and anytime she feels as if it's been if it's if it's Troubleshooters, troubleshootings, that's trouble starting or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anytime it's like malfunctioning or anytime, or when, you know, she never really is going to find out that this has happened to her. It's like, oof. Yeah, I feel I like my like, brain is my superpower is a very fitting CW sort of slogan. Right? <laughs> I know, right? If it's going to be the one protagonist that isn't an actual superhero. <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> uh, so another. Um, different subplot for this reboot another mm-hmm. really significant one and obviously a super timely one is the fact that liz's father is undocumented yes. and this is not your first time playing um someone who is touched by this in some way your mm-hmm. character on grays was undocumented so you talk a little bit about um what that means to you why you mm-hmm. think it's so important and sort of the work that you did to prepare for that mm-hmm. absolutely just just such a beautiful blessing from 
the universe that those two jobs worked out that way back to back. It's something I've always felt very passionate about. I'm, I'm Cuban American and my family, first generation, my both my parents immigrated here from Cuba and they were refugees and they were welcomed with open arms and became citizens immediately and are, you know, happy Cuban Americans now. And um, God God bless them because now I'm here. Um, <laughs> but so that that entire experience and the experience of most of my, my community in, in Miami, um, you know, we're so fortunate and we're so grateful and um, we love our culture and we love our country, you know. Um, so it just breaks my heart that um, – that there could be people existing here who are such gorgeous contributions and such um, just loving Americans, you know, and that, that they feel as if they are unsafe in their home breaks my heart. So it's really, really been this like awakening for me where I've been able to go to task and educate myself and read the books and talk to the activists and um, be as knowledgeable a mouthpiece as I possibly can. Um, and both shows, wonderfully enough, worked with this organization that I'm like fully obsessed with called <laughs> Define American. And um, they are a media based um, nonprofit. They work in the act in portraying characters accurately who are dealing with the undocumented experience. So um, I just loved the idea of that because, I mean, we've 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 come to know this is truth now that culture is informed by what we're putting out there, what we are creating, and that the ripples of it, the influence it can have, that the existence of a Laverne Cox and Orange is a New Black can really start conversations. And um, So I love that they are such a um, valuable tool and that they are doing the work that they're doing because both the Grays writers and the Roswell New Mexico writers uh, worked with this these, this organization and um, in the portrayal of Sam Bellow's undocumented experience on Grays and of ours on this show of my parents um, and of Liz dealing with it. Liz, mm-hmm. who's an educated woman trying to navigate it, trying to be of help. Um, I really hope we continue to have that conversation on this show. And it's something I'm definitely pushing for, for um, hopeful fingers crossed season two, <laughs> for her to just take it to task more even and to really become an advocate for it. I remember I was at this um, visit to um, Tijuana with a group of women, a group of women called uh, This Is Humanity. And they do these like drives down and just, you know, to check out detention centers and things like that. Just so educate yourself and um get the word out there it's a lot of people who have like either work in media or have you know a lot of social influence online and just getting actual footage and pictures out there and and we were there and we had a talk with these two young girls sisters who um were recounting their experience of their parents being taken by ice and it was so powerful listening to the way they spoke about that morning and the way that one of them was hiding and um, the light behind the ICE officer as they walked towards her. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I did not think I was going to get choked up. Okay. Um, it, it, it made him seem like a shadow. Right. And um, oof, that just kills me. So I have this idea of um, hopefully doing that in season two, hopefully getting Liz to, to meet someone who has either experienced this or has just had this happen to a loved one and and is telling this story i just think it'd be so 
powerful to create this visual so that people can see from the perspective of a young person what it feels like to have someone you don't know walk into your house, detain your parents, remove them, and come after you and seem like this giant shadow just encroaching you. I just... So, um, yeah, I hope I hope we can take it that way because I think there's a lot more to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, like you were saying, putting a face to something like this is so important because for so many people it feels kind of too theoretical. You mm-hmm. know, like, yes, in theory, of course, right. that's awful. Mm-hmm. Right, but, you know, even on just the, the two shows that you've done, you've shown mm-hmm. different sides of it. You know, like your character mm-hmm. on Grey's was um, a DACA recipient. Yes. And that's not the case with Liz's father on Roswell, but they're two similar experiences, but they are different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And Liz's father is just so wonderful, Carlos Compian, and we've just had such a good time. Just, you know, we've gone like, okay, you got to love him, but because he's undocumented and because we feel such a, uh, you know, responsibility to... Um, to show you like how beautiful and wonderful they are, we've just found like every kind of moment to go like, oh, here we could do this, and you know, little buttons on scenes and speaking Spanish to each other, and it's really wonderful. Our, our next few episodes really showcase Carlos, and I can't wait for him to awesome. to have that for people to see it. Right? Yeah, I think the new Roswell is a really. Um, there are a lot of really good moments where it's clear that it's not going to ignore. Mm-hmm. what time it's set in you know it's not yeah. just taking place at any time it's taking place now and that obviously changes things mm-hmm. um, and it makes stories like Liz's and her father's so much more impactful and important thank you I really appreciate that thank you so much thank you so much this was so wonderful Netflix's Turn Up Charlie starring Idris Elba premieres March 15th on the streaming service on March 20th Hulu will debut its new crime anthology, The Act. Critics Daniel D'Addario and Caroline Framke discuss them both. All right, this week we're talking about uh, two shows coming up, both of which feature familiar stars in kind of new contexts. A TV star who's been everywhere on the promotional trail lately uh, and who's doing something very different than what he used to do in The Wire. Idris Elba is on Netflix with Turn Up Charlie. Caroline you are reviewing this uh, Netflix comedy for us. I was a little surprised when I heard about it. I don't think of Idris Elba, at least on TV, as a comedy star. And I found the premise to be something unusual for TV to broach. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so this show stars Idris Elba as a struggling DJ who um, he reconnects with an old family friend who has made it huge and... His wife, played by Piper Perabo, who's nowhere in the promotional material, so I was surprised to see her. Um, she is an internationally famous DJ who he reveres. So one thing leads to another. He ends up becoming the nanny for their precocious daughter, who doesn't know what precocious means, but she does know that she is it. You know, she's a very typical sort of sassy tween. Um, the show uses the word Manny. I refuse to. I hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds kind of like it exists on a continuum with like Fuller House and these other Netflix shows that are like for family entertainment. Oh, no. No, no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> so this is, um, I mean, you know, it's still in the world of DJ exploits and there's sex and drugs and all that stuff. So there's like this uneasy sort of conflict between the two storylines, but basically... The daughter, whose name is Gabby, has this sort of, you know, she lashes out because her parents aren't around. Her father is a famous actor. Her mother's this DJ. Um, 
so it's kind of her them trying to do better by her but not really knowing how and Idris Elba kind of steps in but he doesn't like it it's it's, it's uneasy all around the the tone is kind of all over the place but it's definitely Elba trying to um, show that he can do comedy wanting to maybe do more comedy and for those who don't know Idris Elba is a DJ in real life I believe his DJ name is DJ Big Driss he's going sure. to be at Coachella this year so okay. check that out if you're there I suppose but in this TV version of it, he is not quite that successful until, you know, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to wait through several episodes to get there. Yeah, it's eight episodes. I've seen all of them. It's perfectly fine. I mean, that's kind of what I ended up saying in my review, which is always a little hard to write about. And you're like, yeah, sure. Um, but it's kind of a family comedy that's wearing DJ clothes. It's a little confusing all around because I think Piper Parabo does a really good job, but she is a little bit miscast as sort of, you know, this female Calvin Harris I don't really buy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I feel like she, sight unseen, I feel like I think of her as a little bit too kind of polite and well-mannered or whatever. To, <laughs> it does feel very to like... in that scuzzy world. Sure. Like Park Slope mom who's slightly cooler than average is yeah. kind of the vibe in there. Okay. Um, it definitely is, I mean, Elba's an executive producer. Um, this obviously means something to him. And I think, uh, you know, that shows in a way where like everyone loves his character he's super charming he isn't very successful but he does manage to sort of charm everyone into helping him out um so he's charismatic elba is charismatic um it's not a musty it's totally fine um it's written mostly by georgia lester who used to write on skins and hollyhocks this british sitcom writer and of note is that one of the other executive producers and directors is Tristram Shapiro, who is a sitcom veteran. He, um, most memorably to me, directed a lot of the best episodes of Community. Oh, sure. Okay. So there's pedigree here. Um, there's definitely some good voices behind the camera. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's Idris Elba playing sort of a version of himself. And if you're into that, great. But if not, eh. All right. Duly noted. Yeah. But so the other thing we're talking about, which I'm really interested in because I don't know much about the true crime case that inspired it, but I'm fascinated by the sort of scripted recreation of it is the act on Hulu. Dan, could you tell us a little bit about where this case came from and your impression of the adaptation? Sure, absolutely. So a couple years back, there was an HBO documentary uh, that people may be familiar with called Mommy Dead and Dearest about the Blanchard family, uh, Dee Dee and uh, Gypsy. Um, Gypsy was a daughter who was believed to be, you know, grievously ill and uh, by all of their neighbors. And it turned out that in a case of what is apparently Munchausen by proxy, um, her mother had been poisoning her. Gypsy went on to arrange for the killing of her mother. Oof. This was also... <laughs> the film is very memorable because of the visual of both of these individuals. Uh, in her tw Into her 20s, Gypsy was undernourished, childlike, had basically never really left her home because mm -hmm. she'd been a prisoner of this perceived illness and spoke in a kind of childlike voice and affect despite having arranged for a hit on her mother. It was also the basis of a BuzzFeed article. That article's author is the executive producer and showrunner oh, of the Hulu show. So it's a story that's been well and truly covered because people are it, it's it's people are interested in something that is this 
lurid and this kind of tied into almost nothing but itself a lot of true crime shows really seek to prove that the case is really relevant on some social issue or some kind of fault line in our society the act derives its pleasure such as it is from the fact that we are watching a story that really ultimately is just about humans capacity for evil and for overcoming circumstances and there's no other element to it which makes it kind of a really fun like truffle to enjoy without without unearned uh pretension sure. it sounds a little refreshing based on like you said what the genre usually does and i know that this cast is pretty stacked right yes absolutely so this is the second true crime uh show this season for Patricia Arquette mm-hmm. who after Escape at Danamora which did a lot of the things I'm describing that I don't like of really <laughs> reaching for this urgent relevance here she is as good as she was there but she's even more kind of untrammeled and odd there's a scene deep-ish into the season where she's wearing uh, the actress is wearing a fright wig holding a guinea pig and whispering to it I'm your mama now. Oh boy. Uh yeah, so if you <laughs> if that like appeals to you at all and this how is a could show it not? this is a show that you will definitely vibe with. Um Joey King, who's a really talented younger actress, is really phenomenal at Gypsy. I was not familiar with her before this and I walked away from it uh similarly to the discovery of um the actress uh, at the center of Sharp Objects last summer. I walked away from it kind of ready to follow her anywhere she went. And uh, Chloe Sevigny plays a somewhat underwritten uh, supporting role, but it's very welcome to see her. And she adds a bit of fun atmosphere as the next door neighbor who kind of sits out on her porch watching, standing in for all of us, watching the Blanchard family fall apart. Ooh, well, that sounds incredibly juicy and interesting. There's also other stuff coming out this week. Amazon's dropping the final season of Catastrophe today. The Good Fight comes back to CBS All Access if you can find it. And, you know, if none of that appeals to you, there's always more TV where that came from. Fuller House star Lori Laughlin was arraigned in federal court Wednesday in Los Angeles in relation to the college bribery scandal. Variety reporter Will Thorne was on hand. So, Will, you were in federal court yesterday when Lori Laughlin was arraigned. Can you tell us what the latest is in the college bribery scandal? Sure. So yesterday, uh, Lori Laughlin was arraigned in a downtown Los Angeles federal court uh, where the judge set her bond at $1 million, which was the same bond as her husband, uh, Mossimo Giannulli, who is also implicated in the case, and Felicity Huffman being the other the other main Hollywood star implicated in this college bribery scandal. What are these people accused of, and why has this uh, this story blown up as much as it, it seems to have this week? Sure. The, so this is the college bribery scandal in which these uh, whole bunch of powerful people from CEOs to Hollywood stars to to real estate developers have been accused of 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 paying of paying money to this gentleman called Singer who has uh, rigged people's SAT scores, ACT scores in order to get their kids into high, you know, into elite schools such as Yale, Stanford, uh, UCLA, USC. Uh, and specifically in the Laughlin case, they're, uh, they're being accused or allegedly her and her husband paid $500,000 uh, for to this gentleman to uh, to this singer gentleman to um, fake the the for their two daughters to get into USC uh, through the crew 
through faking uh, accounts uh, that they were uh, rowing in the crew for USC, but this was not in fact the case. They'd never they'd never done crew before, and uh, and so it's it successfully they both got into USC, and now there's a question of case by case basis going for each student who's faked their way into who's been paid their way into these these schools, whether they'll be allowed to remain as well or not. And Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman are just two of many people implicated in this uh, story, and it's ha- it, it reaches far beyond the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. But in terms of television, where both these actors worked, I mean, what has been what has been the impact, I guess, on their careers and on projects that they may have been attached to? Well, in terms of in terms of Laughlin, she's been dropped by the Hallmark Channel uh, just recently. She uh, she starred in a few Hallmark shows, Christmas movies for them. Uh, and uh, and so recently there was an episode of When Calls the Heart, which um, uh, Hallmark pulled uh, this the episode which is coming up, uh, and they said they're assessing the situation and they're trying to come up with quote creative ways to to uh, basically write her out of the show. So uh, it looks like her career is taking a big hit. I mean, she was on the Hallmark show, Hallmark Channel already, so. Uh, You're disparaging our friends I, on the Hallmark I, I, Channel. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I yeah I don't know if, I, if that was necessarily the right thing to say, but she's. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's not looking good for her career-wise, and certainly the other question uh, uh, in terms of Huffman, it, it's uh, as yet unclear. But obviously, her her husband or her partner William H Macy uh, is also uh, was not named in the case uh, in the in the documents that the FBI um, released. Uh, he was referred to as spouse throughout, and he has not been indicted and and, and is not charged in this case at all. But so it, people asking really why that why that's the case because in the in the transcript from interviews that the FBI recorded of of Huffman uh, talking with Singer, and where Will, uh, Macy was also in the conversation named as spouse in the documents, he he clearly is aware of what's going on. Um, he certainly doesn't seem to be as much the instigator in these interviews as Huffman uh, seems to be. Uh, but he's you know he was present in in, in the in the phone call, and uh, so it's it's unclear as to why he hasn't been named in this. In this case, and both both Huffman and Macy are very accomplished actor accomplished actors. But Macy is of the two of them. Macy is the only one who's in a uh, a current series right mm. now because he stars in um, uh, he stars in Shameless for Showtime and uh, is kind of pivotal to that show now. Mm. As uh, Emmy Rossum, the former star of that or one of the stars of that show, has just left, so Macy is kind of now the by far the biggest star mm. anchoring that series. Yeah. What um, and for Huffman, she had a Netflix project that uh, that she had wrapped on. Is that right? Correct. Yes, it's the upcoming uh, Ava DuVernay show uh, about the Central Park Five. Uh, and so, I mean, I I don't think Netflix has released a statement on that. Um, I'm assuming there's not much they can do because they've they've told us it's uh, in the can. It's, right? it's in the can. Yeah. They've wrapped. It's all done. So there's not really much they can do there. Um, yeah. So what can we expect next as this case uh, develops? Well, the uh, the all the um, all the people involved in the case uh, are going to be arraigned a second time, or uh, going to another uh, uh, a courthouse in Boston, and uh, another federal courthouse in Boston where the case is being held. Uh, so, and that's going to be on March 29th, that second hearing, um, and then from then on, and, and originally in the in the in the first arraignment uh, in in Los Angeles. Uh, Laughlin was going to be allowed to travel to Canada, and and the judge was at first reluctant to to grant her this uh, to allow her to have her passport to travel to Canada. But now that's obviously a lot less relevant, given that she was going to shoot these hallmark shows point, yeah. exactly in Vancouver. Um, but so, in terms of in terms of what's going on, in terms of the future for um, the case, it's it's as yet unclear as to whether there'll be jail time possibly involved in this. Obviously, the 
the bond for, for Laughlin and for uh, Giannulli is far larger and the, the amount that Hoffman is alleged to have, to have paid to have Singer um, rig her daughter's SAT scores is much lower than $500,000. So you would have thought that the case against her and you know poss- and uh, is going to be a lot less serious, but uh, but it remains to be seen. All right. Well, Will, thank you, and enjoy your weekend catching up on Win Called the Heart. Great. I, I'm excited. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.